Welcome to the Memorial Day edition of the Inside the Pylon podcast for Monday, May 30th. My name is Mark Schofield. My friend Chuck Zotta, he's out scouting some Bundesliga youth camps, I think, looking for a German soccer talent that could come over and kick stateside in the NFL, perhaps. Um, but I'm here with you on this Memorial Day. Hope you're having a wonderful Memorial Day. Maybe you're driving back from the beach. Maybe you're just in the backyard looking at the kids running through the sprinklers. But to give you something special for this holiday what's more american what's more just what's more great than matt waldman and i geeking about quarterbacks let's do that shall we matt lobster rolls lobster rolls are good i like lobster rolls yeah you You know you have any lobster rolls on memorial day i usually don't go the lobster roll route i typically go the i like ribs on memorial day kind of like going that way but you know just throw something on an open fire for a little bit. Let it smoke a little bit. Although we're probably getting more into the Uncle Chaps realm, I think. I mean, Chaps is the barbecue god. People should definitely check out the Chaps podcast. It's good stuff. But we're here to geek out about some quarterbacks. Matt, welcome back, my friend. Hey, appreciate you having me on. Always. And let's dive into QBs. And I want to start with Dak Prescott. Matt, can you... Talk some sense into me as to why this makes sense, or can you not? No, I can't. I can't. Yeah. I mean, I, I listen. I mean, the the thing with the thing to me is it, it just seems to me that Dallas probably fell in love with him pre-draft process, well before he had the DUI arrest. Right. So they're they're probably looking at someone who they feel like fits their leadership profile of what they're looking for from a quarterback. They probably like the mobility aspect, um, and that's great and also you look at the the individual tools you know i think i think no one can question that you know if you look at his tools separately like just in a vacuum he's got an arm strength he's got a pretty decent release he's someone that can go to a second or a third read he's someone that can break the pocket and be mobile and run he you know and you he shows some skill of making some pre-snap decisions um you know and you and you look at all that and think okay well pocket presence arm strength accuracy you know reads the field mobility what's not to like well the problem is is that all those things aren't integrated into his game so you can see instances of those things but it's but it's they're often done in a way where it's very simplistic types of forms of those things and and really great quarterbacking or even good quarterback in the nfl is really taking the simple and making them you know compound types of um you know as as using your your mom as an example of you know a teacher you know at one point you know instead of simple sentences having compound sentences and complex sentences that makes sense um and he's not good at constructing that right now as a quarterback in terms of you know how he makes his reads how he, you know how he's able to respond after pressure what he's able to when he has to you know use two to three different skills together to make a play work he's not good at that and i think that that's something that is going to be difficult for him to develop on the timeline that the cowboys will probably expect from him um and he just he was picked a little early for my taste to take you know to look at him as the future what about you yeah i mean you and i talked about this before on prescott and i you actually mentioned it in the post draft rsp um which people should definitely check out is there are times when he doesn't show almost enough patience to let routes come together 
where he almost like bails on a read before it even comes open because he's either accelerated things in his mind too much or he's just trying to make a play or I don't know what the reason is. We can't dive into the head to figure out exactly why, but there are just times when he does that and he leaves a route open and you're just wondering, is this going to get better? I mean, it's not like we're talking about a guy that's, you know, a true junior coming out. I mean, this is a senior, went to the senior bowl. He's got some experience, but it just, that part of his game never clicked for me. Yeah. And I think that that, that's the thing is that if you, if, if you rush that type of process and don't have a feel for what's coming open um, on when you're not being pressured, when you're just, yeah, I mean, this is, this is clean pocket situations. Yeah. So when that type of thing happens, now you add the, now you add the fact that you're facing defensive tackles who are quicker than you are, and you're going to have a much more accelerated time schedule of how to, to manage a pocket and how to be able to make these reads. If you're rushing your process now and your feet aren't able to keep up, what are you going to do in that accelerated environment? Because really, it's just, you know, I've, I've, we've often talked about this. I use a lot of musical analogies, but when you play fast as a musician and you listen to some of your favorite musicians who are really technically, you know, they're technical virtuosos and they play things unbelievably fast. Nine times out of 10, those musicians practice those things in a very exceedingly slow manner to, um, before they get it fast. In fact, if they can play it at ungodly slow speeds, they can play it extremely fast that's what i've always been taught um and so when you look at quarterback play if, if he can't slow down his process enough that he's skipping through things like this when this when the when the tempo gets faster he's going to have an even tougher time and i just you know even to me i didn't think that his pocket presence was great i felt like he could avoid people physically but conceptually didn't understand always how to step up or move in the pocket and then reset his feet and throw it accurately. And that's that last part is the most important thing. That's what separates a guy like Jared Goff from the rest of this class, is that he's able to do that on a regular basis. Whereas a guy like Dak Prescott may be more physically impressive, um, but conceptually in putting it all together, um, he has a lot more work to do. Now, two guys in terms of where they ended up and their potential scheme fits, that I think you and I might differ a little bit on, are Cardale Jones and Cody Kessler. Let's take Jones first. Uh, he goes to Buffalo. You and I were salivating over the prospects of him landing out in Arizona with Bruce Arians. That dream didn't happen, but we might have a similar dream that we can get to with Jay Coker. But you kind of like Jones and Buffalo. Tell me, walk me through that. Why do you think that fits? Well, I kind of like it because, it, you know, if I could – if I could erase, you know, it's it's more, I'm probably a little bit more idealistic here. I'm hoping that Cardale Jones can um, overcome having Rex Ryan as his head coach. And and I think that, it's, that's a big hurdle. It is a big hurdle. Um, yeah. You know, so, but if, because Rex, Rex Ryan tends to yank quarterbacks the same way that he would yank a, you know, yank an outside linebacker for a for a really bad play and put him on the bench or a or a or a safety. You know, I mean, it's just you got to treat quarterbacks a little bit differently. And I think that he's kind of come from the same school as his dad, which is, you know, look, I'm going to yank these guys in and out of the lineup just like it was high school. You know, yeah. and and I'm just going to move these. You know, I, I can I can get by with doing that, and you can't really do that in the NFL. Um, 
at the quarterback position. It's a leadership position. It's a position that also your psyche has to be pretty strong, and you don't want to mess with that too much um, unless you're going to be unless you're going to be really patient with that quarterback over a period of time, and that when you do yank them, that you're giving them the understanding that they're still your guy. They just need to sit and wait and see things a little bit. Marty Schottenheimer was very good at that, but Rex Ryan isn't. So Jones, to me, in that level, not a great fit. From a scheme standpoint, I think it can work. Um, I think that you know they like to go downfield. They like to attack. Um, they have a good running game that they can – use him to work off of and they certainly loaded up their depth chart with running back talent this year i mean even down to a guy that probably won't even make the roster in james wilder jr who is a power back and a and a very good power back with maybe limited speed but good burst that guy's fighting for a roster spot right now but you've got jonathan williams and LaShawn mccoy and carlos williams um that's that's a really nice setup and i think that that can that can help him in the fact that he's got a good route runner in Sammy Watkins who can also stretch the field. And then Colby Listenby is another one who's a nice field stretcher who can win the ball in the air. And then and then you can add in a, a veteran like Woods who I think is just a you know one of the more solid wide receivers in the league in terms of getting done what you need him to get done. And it's probably one of the more underrated guys. So I think there's a there's potential for a good receiving core, good running game, good match for what you know giving him time to to, to really make plays. But it's just a matter of how patient is uh, Rex Ryan going to be. And I I would say until Rex Ryan goes to offensive coordinating school, um, you know that's going to be a that's going to be an issue. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my concern. That's where it basically stems from is look at how Ryan's treating quarterbacks. I mean, look at how he's treating Tyrod Taylor right now. Yeah. I mean, there's still sort of a question mark as to whether he's still got a home in Buffalo, even though he turned in what I thought was, and I think you'd agree, a pretty solid season last year, and he showed some signs of being a pretty good NFL quarterback. But now that status is kind of up in the air, and then they go out and draft Cardell Jones. So it just it doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies, you know? Yeah, I hear you. And my hope is this, is that Rex Ryan has already been to, has already had one gig. So I think the patience with him for the second gig is not going to be as long. Um, so right. I'm kind of thinking that if Tyrod Taylor can play well enough to keep in the game, um, you know, for the next year, maybe he wins a second contract or Cardale comes in year two, year three and plays pretty well, but the defense has some issues, or or the team brass sees that Cardell played well, but Rex Ryan is overreacting to things. I think if we see that dynamic form, there might not be too much damage done to Cardale for him to have a chance with the next coaching staff. And I think that that's what I'm kind of hoping for, is that I'm still, I'm somewhat optimistic that with the combination of Taylor and Jones and what they have brewing there offensively that it could work out either from a patient standpoint to outlast Rex Ryan or in spite of Rex Ryan. Now, the next quarterback I mentioned was Cody Kessler, who's a guy that we might be a little bit flipped on. I was lucky enough to be doing that live show with you guys. Cody came off the board to the Browns, and that was a pick I don't think you at all have you softened on that stance? Because I was a little bit more reserved when this was made and haven't thought about it and looked at some I think this might work, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't really know because, I mean, I'm still kind of wondering what they're going to do in, in 
in yeah. in Cleveland. I mean, I know we look at Hugh Jackson and say, well, look what he did in Cincinnati. But he's done a lot of different things, <laughs> you know, in yeah, the Yeah, I mean, he's been all over the place, I think. Yeah, so it's it, to me it's like, you know, if, if Robert Griffin wins the job, then you see, you know, to me, I think they're kind of hoping for that to happen. I mean, and with him and McCown, they're both strong-arm quarterbacks who can make some of those big play throws, and they give you a guy like Coleman who can get downfield, and they have a couple of field stretchers in that realm. That's that's helpful. But at the same time, they also picked enough wide receivers that can kind of give you a hint at what they can do as becoming more of a timing route offense. And, and, and I think that really more than anything, they're looking at Kessler as if, – if you're looking at Kessler right now, you're saying he doesn't fit with what maybe – what they want to do with the potential starting quarterbacks in this offense because he doesn't have that great arm strength. But if you're looking long-term and saying, look, we, we think we can develop Kessler's arm strength. We can get him a little bit stronger. He can do a little bit different things with his, with his release patterns in terms of how he, he uses his body to generate more velocity. And that should help him enough to, to make the throws we're looking for. And we can also tailor the offense a little bit more towards you know, timing the timing passing game and more of a West Coast oriented heavy look that we could get the most out of Kessler and he might be the best prospect we have down the line. I, I understand that. But I think more than anything, it's a guy they're comfortable with, they like, they can probably solidify their backup position. And if he can get deliver them more, they love his thought process and understanding the game enough that they're like, we'll be open to him being a starter, um, but we don't have to count on it. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where I ended up on it. I mean, I kind of look at him as potentially Jackson's A.J. McCarron because when you look at what the Bengals did from a scheme perspective after Dalton went down, it was a lot more of the West Coast time and route stuff, which given Kessler's limitation with respect to arm strength, that fits his game better. He's good with time and throws, good with anticipation throws. He's not going to give you the 15-yard deep out from one hash to the opposite sideline into a tight throwing window. I mean, that's not... Kessler's game, but he can give you some quick slants and stuff like that, which is what the Bengals did when Dalton went down. So I think, it, again, if what you're thinking is right and he's their long-term number two, maybe wins the job down the road type guy, this could work. Yeah, I mean that's kind of how I view it. I think. That's I mean, a- I don't think he's. I, yeah, I don't think he's coming in and start. You know, they're they're saying right now that look, it's an open competition, and you know, maybe he he's going to have a shot to win the job. I think in reality, it's. He's there to be their backup this year, and they'll see what they get in year three. Yeah, that's Cleveland's that, that's Cleveland fans and Cleveland media's oddball thinking, and trust me, I grew up yeah. around it. There is some oddball yeah. thinking about that kind of thing going on. Um, but, yeah, long-term, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Let's talk about the three first-long quarterbacks um, in terms of their scheme fit. We had an earlier show where you and I were talking about some of the other skill positions, and I said, look, maybe is Ezekiel Elliott the best fit regardless of position, and you agreed with that. Is Paxton Lynch the best quarterback fit in this class, do you think? Hmm. Um, on, on the surface, yeah. I think on the surface that's – but it's not nearly as um, – it's not nearly as big of a landslide there as I think many as, – as some people may think. I mean, I like the fact that he's got some mobility. You've got – some use of him that he can be used in the play action game. He's got that big arm to throw downfield. So 
in a lot of ways, he's going to benefit a lot from that Kubiak scheme, um, and I think that he can do well in it. But if he's put in it right away, um, I'm not all that, I, you know, not all enthused about him being a starter right away. I think he's going to need some time. I still think that that what the Titans will probably ask Jared Goff to, not the Titans, the Rams will ask Jared Goff to do. Um, I honestly think that that's going to be a pretty good fit. I, I, You know, it's hard for me to look at a team that has Todd Gurley, and even though he doesn't have, you know, great receivers at this stage, and um, I know that a lot of the throws that those quarterbacks were trying to make in the Rams' offense, they were unable to do. They couldn't make the yeah. types of plays, and I think Goff can. So I think Goff is going to make these receivers actually look a little bit better than what we thought. Um, and... And I, I also think that he's going to establish a rapport with some of the younger guys and do some things that some of the Rams quarterbacks like Nick Foles and, and, and Bradford and Austin couldn't even, Austin Davis could even think about or conceive of trying to do. And one of the things that you point out in the post-draft RSP is that this is the first quarterback that Jeff Fisher really has had an input on since Matt, since who? Steve McNair. Yeah, my, one of my and, and and not to yeah, not to say that this is a one-to-one comparison for McNair and Goff, but it shows you sort of the confidence that Fisher probably has in Goff as a quarterback, and he's got to have a plan in mind for how to use him in year one. Yeah, I think so, and I think it also shows you that there's agreement between coach, GM, and um, owner on what to do, and 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 cut and uh, excuse me. Jay Fisher, Jeff Fisher has never had that opportunity to, since that for initial pick of McNair, he's never had an opportunity to really be on board with any of the quarterback decisions that they've made. He wanted Jay Cutler in Tennessee. He didn't get Jay Cutler. And if you really look back on it, if you think of Jay Cutler developing in one system and staying in one system where, you know, he was in Denver and was a Pro Bowl quarterback year two and letting him stay and continue to grow and develop over that course of time do we think that we would have the smoking jay cutler takes that we've had with him and the, no. and the look at him as the anti-hero of quarterback play and i don't think so i mean he wouldn't have been through how many different i mean that's what's been like four or five different coaches he's been through at least yeah. so yeah and you you and i when we did the jared goff uh, film room we actually talked at the end about the career paths of philip rivers and jay cutler yeah. And how it's been so different based on, you know, what those two guys have been put up against. I mean, Rivers has been with one organization to begin with since he's come out. Yeah, exactly. And just look at what's that, like, he doesn't have this reputation that Cutler has, like you talked about, the smoking Jay Cutler rap. Yeah, and, and you know, we all know that Cut, the thing that's frustrating about Cutler is you see the starter skills there. The high-end starter skills show up at times, but the consistency hasn't been there. So I think with Jeff Fisher, I think Jeff Fisher has sold the Rams enough that, look, just just let me have input on what we do and how we do it, and we will get there. Um, and I think that... You know, a good sign was the team didn't balk. I'm sure Jeff Fisher looked at Todd Gurley and said, look, this is the closest thing to Eddie George that I've seen. Um, and and it was a player I comped Todd Gurley to was Eddie George. And, you know, I'd, the, the fact that Jeff Fisher saw similar things um, and he was able to convince them coming off Trey Mason's good season as a rookie – that they that they didn't need to dra- that they needed to draft another back high and even higher than what they did before, and they said no problem. 
that should tell you that they're sold with what Jeff Fisher is going to bring to the table here. And I think adding golf, um, you know, Kenny Britt, Kenny Britt's going to be gone. Probably Brian Quick's probably going to be gone. Um, you know, they're adding new receivers in here, and they're and they're probably not done. They'll probably grab a free agent um, next year at receiver or draft a guy high up if Mike Thomas doesn't do unbelievably well, or Marquez or their various free agents like Marquez North doesn't turn into what Kenny Britt should have been all along. Um, you know, those types of things. They're, they took low-risk picks with wide receiver who are high-end athletes who can do a good job, and if it doesn't work out, they'll keep they'll keep turning that, you know, working with that. But I think with a running game that they have, um, using play action with golf skills to attack deep and to, to make those immediate reads and be aggressive – and to avoid pressure in the pocket, I think he can make a lot more plays than a guy like Nick Foles ever could. Are you treating 2016 as sort of a redshirt year for Carson Wentz? Is that your expectation? Yeah, I mean, really for all of these guys, but especially for especially for Wentz. I mean, whatever Goff does this year, as long as he doesn't have his arm broken off, I'm not really worried about whatever happens this year for him. For Wentz, it, it's one of those deals where I I I think the I don't trust the Eagles at all. I don't trust their organization yeah. and how they do things. I mean, when you're when when your GM says last year at a sports conference at MIT that trading up for a quarterback is a losing proposition, um, and then they go ahead and do that, that tells you the GM. Do they do it? Yeah, it tells you the GM's no longer in control. Um, so whatever Jeffrey Lurie decides he wants to do, whether he woke up, you know, whether his you know high end pillow in his mansion, you know, helped him get a good night's sleep that night, we're gonna find out whether or not. You know, he's in a good mood or not, and whether he wants to see Carson Wentz on the field or not, you know, it's going to be the whims of a, you know, I hate to say this, but at the whims of a spoiled rich man, um, yeah. you know, in terms of what happens here with Wentz. And, and I think that Wentz is going to obviously want to be on the field at any moment, you know, at the first available moment. Um, but I, I'm hoping that they can tamp down that urge and, and, and at least let him sit a year so that he doesn't get overwhelmed. Yeah. Is the Vernon Adams dream dead? Should I just go out and buy a BC Lions jersey and accept my fate? Um, that's, I mean, because now he's been hurts. two camps. And, yeah. Two camps? I so, mean, and this is, so he, didn't, yeah, he didn't get the he didn't get the nod in Washington either then. No, left unsigned. And, you know, I know you were, a lot of people were high on him. And I just, you know, I wrote this. It's like, look, you know what's going to happen here? I'll give you a one in three year scenario. He ends up killing it in the CFL. And some teams that passed on him are looking three years from now for a potential, you know, at least a viable high end number two guy. And they pass on a similar guy three years from now. And it's just rinse, lather, and repeat. Yeah, I think it's that we're going to have to settle for that. Yeah, it's going to be. Go ahead and find your. Go ahead and find the jersey because for the CFL yep. because that's what it's going to be and and it is sad because you look at that and and realize that teams teams are probably afraid of him getting hurt, um, and I all I can say is Doug Flutie, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, it, those guys didn't get hurt. Fran Tarkenton, yep. those guys that didn't they didn't get hurt. They they played they had long careers, longer careers than most quarterbacks, and a lot of the time was spent on the bench for at least Flutie. But the rest of those players, I don't know. They've been pretty durable, um, and right. and I think that I think Adams had that kind of ability to 
to keep himself clean and from getting hit really hard, and uh, it's a shame. And, you know, to just spend a few more minutes on this, I guess, one of the things that you've talked about a lot from talking to people in the league is that there are teams out there that like to have a backup with some mobility. That if you're in a pinch, the starter goes down early in the first half or something, you could bring a guy in off the bench that maybe he's not your long-term answer at the backup position, but for one game, to give the defense an extremely different look, you can go to this guy and win a game. And I think Adams has that potential in the NFL. He just needed a shot. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, and it, and it is true because I mean defenses, you know they're, you know when you look at scouting, you know how they use scouting and how they how they prepare for a week. If you can throw them off that much with a guy who can do a little bit more playground type of work, and that's not to knock Adams because Adams also did more than just play playground style football. Um, you know he certainly he certainly showed some ability to make reads and to and to play within the structure of an offense. But the fact that you had that added element that when things go awry, he can make them right. It, that's that's a tough thing for any defense to handle, even when it's schemed well. That's why Aaron Rodgers is special. That's why Brett Favre was special uh, because those guys can do that and they could play within the scheme as well. Yeah, and, you know, a team like Arizona that could, you know, make the switch from Carson Palmer to Vernon Adams in that kind of situation, but yet also have a guy like Vernon Adams to play the role of Russell Wilson twice a week for the scout team. I mean, there there were opportunities for teams to take advantage of what Adams brought to the table that they passed on it, we move on. Let's move to something happier. And your boy, Mike Bercovici. Landed in San Diego. How do you like that in your post-draft RSP? You seemed high on his prospects there. Yeah, I loved it um, because uh, it was before they signed Bryn Renner. Or I was aware that they signed Bryn Renner to the um, as as well because I kind of like Bryn Renner as a as a developmental player. He's more of a pocket guy, but he has good pocket presence and he's got that big arm. Um, but I think Berkovici and Brenner could be an upgrade to Kellen Clemens. Um, so. Clemens is a pro's pro in terms of what he can do as a backup, but I don't think he gives you starter upside at all um, unless you're, you know, unless Ron Jaworski hasn't softened his stance and wants to add him to, to, to whatever XFL team or whatever arena team he's a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but Berkovici's got the big arm. He's certainly creative. Um, I think that he will – I think this is a good – add for them because he could benefit from playing behind a guy like Philip Rivers who's a coach's son who certainly seems geeked about wanting to help coach up players and be a part of that he knows his career is probably you know three to four years maybe maybe a little more than that maybe three to five years away from him um, ending you know quitting and so he knows that you know being able to help develop a guy might not be a, a bad legacy um, and I think Berkovici being the, the kind of the gym rat he is, the, the desire he has to work with people and be a team player, um, I think that he gets to a pro-style system that's going to be a good fit for him, and he can end up developing behind a quarterback who, who can really help him out. Another fit that I really liked near the end of this draft here was Kevin Hogan to Kansas City. He's 
the guy that you call the ugly duckling of this quarterback class. Perhaps the mechanics aren't there. It's not refined. But you get him in a West Coast-style system where he can think and make throws. I think it's a great fit, and you do too. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. I think of a quarterback who played for Andy Reid for a while whose mechanics weren't all that good and who fans used to just complain about how he'd throw a ball into the dirt all the time, you know, on shorter passes and one Donovan McNabb. So I, I kind of yeah. like the fact that he gets another, and he gets an, a player who may not have the perfect mechanics, um, but never will have to to please Andy Reid. Um, I think he has to be some, you know, he has to make his feet a little bit more efficient with what he does, and that's not hard. The arm stuff, I'm not worried about it. It's a, it's not a fatal flaw for him. Um, but he's a heady, aggressive player who will throw downfield, who can run. I think he's a little. He's a little bit more of a... Uh, to me, he reminds me of Alex Smith in a lot of ways um, in, in the sense of like that he's smart, that he's mobile, um, that he can make some of the timing throws that you're looking at. Um, but he's more of a guy who's going to take risks and take chances than Alex Smith is. He's like Alex Smith's younger cousin um, who yeah. came from the wrong side of the tracks, maybe, and you kind of like that about him. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that yeah. that's what Kevin Hogan can provide. Because Aaron Murray, you know, Aaron Murray's kind of a he's an ultra clean quarterback coach's dream type of player, but I don't know if he has that killer instinct that Hogan has. So it's going to be an interesting competition for those two guys. Um, it should probably also tell you that Tyler Braid experiment might be over. Um, you yeah. know, cause Tyler Bray's Tyler, if, if, uh, if Kevin Hogan might be from the, from the wrong side of the tracks, or maybe he's from the, he's from the blue collar section of the, of town, uh, then you're looking at Tyler Bray as the guy who, who's from, you know, a John Waters movie. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that. I like that reference. Always love a good John Waters reference. Matt, it wouldn't be a draft without Patriots fans scratching their heads come Sunday morning when they look at who Bill Belichick picked. I mean, and we saw that again when Patriots go quarterback in the third round and take Jacoby Brissett. And it's a pick that you and I both like. I'm sure Patriots fans, I know Patriots fans are still scratching their heads. Can we talk them down off the ledge a little bit? Yeah, because you got I I haven't seen a ton of Jimmy Garoppolo um, since he got drafted, um, but from what I understand, and you can tell me, as has his pocket presence gotten really a lot better, or is he still kind? Of, is that still somewhat of an issue coming out of camp? It's, I mean, from the limited stuff that you've been able to see on him preseason games and stuff like that, there's still an issue there. Again, a guy making the FCS to NFL jump. Um, it's still a work in progress. Okay, good. Because that's that's I um that's been my take with him is that he failed my Garoppolo failed my threshold for pocket presence. Um, so mm -hmm. I could never put you know he was a guy that's like unless he improved that I just can't see him as being a future starter. Um, and so I think that a lot of people fell in love with the wrong things with him. Um, and I think that the the that the Patriots understand that a little bit more now, and they're like, we need to find, we need to find another guy for the future here. And the fact that we haven't had to use Garoppolo a ton might aid us because we still might be able to get a, a deal for him, might be able to trade him. Um, so let's develop right. another guy, and let's look at a guy who actually does have pocket presence because he's the, you know, here's the thing, the the thing with Jacoby Brissett 
is you're looking at a player who's, um, you know, understands how to throw timing routes. He's got a good deep ball. He's got the arm strength you're looking for. But what he has most of all is skill when plays fail to be able to break the pocket or maneuver the pocket and find someone open and make a play. And he's pretty heady about all that. Don't ask him to break past the line of scrimmage and run um, because I think he has an exaggerated sense of what he can and can't do. Um, and he's probably going to end up getting hurt um, if he if he doesn't calm that down and become a little bit more cautious as a runner because he's, he's not a great athlete out of the pocket. But he's good at being able to move around and maneuver. He's just athletic and quick enough to do that. And I think he's aggressive. I think he's a smart, competent quarterback who is going to be able to become a good backup in this league and has a chance to actually become a good starter if it all clicks for him um, because of what he, of how he sees the field and how he can maneuver and how he can look. To, from progression to progression, I think he's a, I think he's a pretty darn good prospect. I would have rather seen the Browns pick Jacoby Brissett than Cody Kessler. I would have seen a, you know, I would rather seen the Cowboys pick Jacoby Brissett over Dak Prescott and make him their heir apparent. Those are two teams that really needed a quarterback. If you're looking at it from that perspective, to groom as a starter, and I would have been happy with that. If the Broncos didn't pick, um the Broncos or Jets didn't pick Hackenberg or um, or um, Paxton, Lynch. Paxton Lynch. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And they waited later and they picked Jacoby Brissett. I would have said that was a good pick. So, you know, Patriots fans, I would take heart that you got a guy who who actually could end up developing into a, a pretty darn good quarterback in this league. Yeah, and I think that people, you know, being sort of tapped into that Patriots fan base um, immediately after the pick, you know, people are like, well, you know, he only completes 23% of his deep ball, so he doesn't have a good deep ball. And, you know, people just get sidetracked sometimes by statistics. And, you know, you mentioned it. I saw it on film, too. I mean, in that Virginia Tech game alone, he put like four or five vertical routes right on the money that just weren't completed. So, I mean, he throws a great deep ball to the fact that he he's athletic enough that he can get you plays with his feet if necessary. He can extend plays. You know, talk about a guy like Ben Roethlisberger esque back there, shrugging off defenders in the pocket and keeping his eyes downfield. And another thing I love that, you know, I think there were times when he did sort of understand his limitations as an athlete. Like when he would run the option, he'd go hash marks, numbers, sideline, and just get out of bounds. You know, there were times, of course, when he tucked it back inside and tried to make a little bit of something happen. All players do that. But I think if you're worried about him sort of being too aggressive as a ball carrier, there are flashes enough that I've seen that make me confident that he's going to be able to dial that back even more when he gets to the NFL. So I, I like the pick both as a Patriots fan and a guy that spends his time, you know, pontificated about quarterbacks. I really like that. So I think Patriots fans, again, I'm trying one more time to calm you all down. It's, it's going to be okay. It's not your fault. Yeah, absolutely. It's not your fault. There you go. Um, so, <laughs> Good reference. Uh, Matt, we're just about out of time, but since it's Memorial Day on 2016, I've got to ask you, who's QB1 for the next class? Oh, Lord. I haven't even looked. <laughs> I'm not putting you on the I haven't even looked. That. I mean, I know everyone talks about Deshaun Watson, um, but I'll tell you a guy yeah. I like. I'll tell you a guy I like who who I don't know if he's available for next year or not, but that, that kid from Texas Tech, Mahomes? Yeah. A lot of people are talking about him because he'll be a junior. Yeah, I, I mean, if he has, 
if he comes out. I've seen some. I've seen enough tape of him that while I haven't studied him formally, he definitely caught my eye as a guy. I remember I was watching the LSU game, and I and I right. watched him and I thought, yeah, this this guy this guy is someone to watch and to study and will be will definitely be in the mix as someone to consider. Um, I liked his pocket presence. I liked what he could do on the move. Um, he certainly has the arm. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm fascinated with what I see there. Yeah, I think he'll be fun to watch, Watson, obviously. I'm kind of hopeful about Brad Kay down in Miami now with Mark Ricks coming over. Yeah. Um, I think there, there's some potential there. I was actually going through one of his old Georgia playbooks, and I was like, okay, I could see where a quarterback could have fun here and you know develop a little bit. So as always, it'll be fun. But Matt, as always, thank you so much for the time. People do check out Matt's work. You can find him on Twitter at Matt Waldman. Check out the post-draft RSP, which is available at mattwaldmanrsp.com. Matt, thank you so much as always for coming on with us. My pleasure. <laughs>